What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to History of College Football Podcast. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we are lucky to have a very special guest, Mr. John Square, defensive end on the famed 2001 Miami Hurricanes, and currently the Senior Associate Athletic Director of Internal Operations at the George Washington Universities. In 2001, John Square was an all-freshman Big East team selection. That season, he registered 29 tackles, 18 unassisted, five quarterback sacks, third highest on the team, and three tackles for a loss for the 12-0 national champion Miami Hurricanes, widely regarded as one of the greatest college football teams of all time. It is indeed an honor to have you on my podcast. First, tell me, Mr. Square, about your work as Senior Associate Athletics Director of Internal Operations at the George Washington University. Jay, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, uh, it's an honor to be in uh, such company with a person that loves college football and has been uh, a historian of the game since nine years old. Uh, so in my role as Senior Associate Athletics Director, uh, I oversee uh, internal operations, which is athletics compliance, uh, financial management, and um, facilities, operations, and events. And with that, um, I also work with the Director of Athletics for Leadership Development, uh, creating accountabilities, and also the culture, right? The culture that you have to um, have the highest output on academics and athletics uh, to ultimately graduate and win championships. I've also been able to work nationally on some boards. Return on Inclusion is a national board where I'm the co-chair uh, and that board is so that we educate all college athletic administrators on how to recreate return on inclusion for all your student athletes, staff and coaches so that they can be the best versions of themselves. I'm also on the NCAA Strategic Vision and Planning Committee. And that is in representing the Atlantic 10 Conference. And that, um, that governing body actually oversees all the business law and ethics of the NCAA. Wow, phenomenal. Responsibility on your shoulders um, to increase the culture of the highest academic and athletic proudness. Incredible, sir. Well, you, sir, were on the famed 2001 Miami Hurricane team. And for our viewing audience, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes finished the season undefeated, untied, 12-0 national champions. This team dominated. Coach Larry Coker's 2001 team rolled their opponents. They won 10 games by more than 20 points. They were first in scoring defense, 9.8 points per game. They beat number 14 Syracuse 59 to nothing and then number 12, Washington, 65 to seven in consecutive weeks. Now that's by a combined score of 124 to seven and then say double a record for the largest margin of victory over consecutive ranked opponents. Their defense led the nation in passing defense, rushing defense and scoring defense. They were NFL talent rich, safety, Ed Reed, tight end, Jeremy Shockey, quarterback, Ken Dorsey, running back, Clinton Portis, wide receiver, Andre Johnson, offensive lineman, Bryant McKinney, safety, Sean Taylor, 
and defensive end, you, sir, Mr. John Square. Mr. Square, take me through that 2001 season. What I would share with you is, I, I think everybody uh, knew that we were onto something uh, different. And what I will tell you is the offense, when I was actually head coach at Oregon, was responsible for running the scout team. And our job, Jay, was to beat, to, I mean, just create hell and chaos so that those guys can be the best uh, team in the country on offense and defense. And so you fast forward to that summer and from the beginning with the leadership of Ed Reed uh, and having uh, coach Randy Shannon and the people he brought in, the defense started winning in um, what was happening, the competitiveness, the, and I mean competitive on everything. It was inside, pass rush, special team. And that was where you begin to see started following us from the beginning of the season all the way through. Um, you know, it, it was amazing. So you, you go to Penn State, right? It's 109,000 people in that stadium. And I remember Coach Coker getting a replica of the stadium. And he said, when we run out, I know there's a player that was injured. He's going to lead the team. But we're responsible for it. He, he just put his hands around the chalk line of the outline of the football field. He said, win this, and we'll win the game. And, and we were big on making first play. So it doesn't matter if it's offensive kickoff return or, or um, kick uh, kickoff team. We're going to go, and we're going to hit somebody, and we're going to let them know that we're here, and we're not going anywhere. And, um, and so – that was the beginning. And once we played that game and we um, handled them very well, people started to say, uh-oh, you better look out. Miami goes into Penn State, uh, the rivalry. Um, and, you know, at the time, I mean, he's standing across the field from Joe Paterno, this rich tradition football, and nobody flinched. And that was one of our words, Jay. We're not flinching. Uh, and so when you – create an environment that is a high level and competitive at everything you do, you're going to win and you're going to win big. And so uh, that was, that was, you know, the start of it. And then we worked our way to Florida state. Uh, and I'm just talking about the big games. We played Florida state and uh, we go into Florida state and we know that we, we, we got a swag at this point. We know we beat Florida State. We're not losing. We know it. Uh, we, and, and it's in the film room, the way the coaches showed us how to watch film and to find weaknesses on the other teams. And so when you're the offense and you're playing against a defense like ours, there's no way you can't be good. There's no way. Because if you can get a yard on us, you're doing pretty good. Because we didn't want to get a, give up a yard in practice. I mean, we would be going after it. Like if it was a game, every day was a championship game and every drill. And so we go in and we beat Florida State. And then at some point, we get to play Washington. Now, let me tell you something, Jay. Washington was the reason that we didn't play the national championship in 2000. And so if you can remember, we played the Gators and we whipped the Gators in the Nokia Sugar Bowl. And so when we play Washington, uh, you remember Jeremy Stevens was the quarter, was the uh, tight end. Yes, and then they had some other uh, keynote players. We, we were like, they ain't scoring. I think after the third team got in, they, I think they ended up getting, set, getting seven points. And we were still mad that it wasn't 64 to zero. And people got mad, but we were playing with the third team. 
and the third team was able to score. Wow. Because that was just a standard. So then you go and we play Boston College. And as you know, every team uh, has to have faced some, has to face some adversity. And we're down, we're down. Uh, we needed a big play. Matt Walters, the ball got tipped. Matt Walters picks it, he, he catches it. He's getting ready to fall. Ed White's falling. Ed Reed takes the ball and runs, I think, 80 yards for a touchdown. And and you're like, holy moly. Like, <laughs> and, and that's the kind of stuff you practice every day. And then you go into a Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. And I mean, Jay, uh, it was cold. They had the place packed. Uh, it was an environment that was just, I mean, it was like electric. And they were a tough team. And so we had to uh, bend but not break. And that was the thing. Like every team was out. Every team we played felt like it was a national championship. And we had to perform. And uh, we had this rule that um, if you just do your job and do it really well, we're going to be successful. So as long as it doesn't matter if you're Air Reed or – or any defensive lineman like William Joseph, Jerome McDougal, Andrew Williams, like Vince Wilford, you do your job at a high level and we're going to win. And that was the thing. Coach, we created plays that everybody had an opportunity to make that play. Your job is to make that play, period. An incredibly articulate recount of that season. You love, love, I'm sitting here grinning from ear to ear. The swagger, we're not flinching, bend but not break, absolutely incredible. I, I got to ask you this. At what point did you realize the 2001 Kane team was going to go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest team in college football history? I mean, at what point did that dawn on you, sir? I would tell you the summer workouts. And mm, in the wow. summer, we, Jay, we worked out hard. You're talking about running 110s. You're talking about working in the South Florida heat for two hours and you see people's bodies changing. You see people being competitive and working out as a team without the coaches. Uh, this is a players-led team with, with leaders like Joaquin, Ken Dorsey, uh, Brett Rumberg, and on the defense, Ed Reed, uh, Jonathan Vilma, DJ Williams, uh, William Joseph. And what you learned was there was a standard. And I remember... Jay, when if you didn't make your workouts, we'd make you turn your shirt inside out because you that you didn't represent us that day and you didn't work hard enough. And so that was the standard in the weight room. That was the standard in workouts. And so you had a lot of players doing extra work. I'm talking about outside of like coaches don't have to be that. You can go work on your pass rush. You can go work on uh, run fits. You can go work on your routes. And that's what we did. And we did it at a high level no matter if the coaches was there or not. And that was when I knew we were different. You didn't have to beg people to come and work out at 5.30 in the morning. And Jay, we used to work out at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm talking about obstacle courses where the, the group that lost had to run extra. So everything we did was competitive. We'd be playing dominoes in the locker room and people are ready to get after each other for losing. <laughs> so, so those are the kinds of things that, that say, oh, wow, wait a minute, this is different. Absolutely incredible. So it was really player driven, this intensity of just being the best. Can you Can encapsulate you, yes, that sir. moment? Yes, sir. Can you encapsulate that moment for us when you won the national championship? Oh, uh, Jay, I don't know if you can remember, but the selection shows back then, 
Uh, I don't, they tried to recreate the national championship and they had us losing yes, sir. Uh, to some team. And, and so we had a chip on our shoulder at that point. So, so no matter who we played, we, we were going to make sure they knew that we was the best. And so I remember uh, the quarterback, Crouch gets on TV and he mm-hmm. says, oh, I run a 4-4. The Miami team defense is slow. That's all. Listen, that was like pouring gasoline on the fire. And so the game was over at halftime because if, I don't know <laughs> if you remember, we knocked out the tight end. We knocked out the star running back. And, uh, and I'm talking about just clean hits. And that, and that was our mentality. Like, we were going to show you. We don't have to do no lip service. We're just going to keep hitting you, hitting you. We're going to gang tackle. We're going on offense. We're going to run up trick plays. We're going to run the ball right up the gut. And we want you to stop us. And so that was a mentality. And the game was over at halftime. I mean, it was just, they, they couldn't take any more. And then after the game, Jay, we went back, we went and raided uh, the, I think back then it was the ESPN show with Herb Street and his crew. Uh, and, and they admitted, yep, you guys are the best. You know, we, <laughs> made a, we made a mistake. And so that was, that was just an amazing time in history where we, set out to do what we worked to do. And it was just great to finish it off. The imprint you left, I mean, you set yourself in the forefront of Mount Rushmore, the greatest teams ever. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Kudos to you. Kudos to your teammate. Kudos to your coaching staff. Kudos to the fans who got behind you. Phenomenal. Absolutely. So, sir, let us take a look at today's Miami Hurricanes. Um, I have two questions for you. The first is, what is your take on the current Miami Hurricanes football team, their current season? Yeah, so I, I would tell you, uh, and I remember this vividly, uh, in, in the latter seasons that we played, when we played Ohio State, and I'll, we'll get on that later on with the questions, but even when we lost one game, there would be this presence from the former players that just let you know that that's, not, that's just not who we are and that's not what we stand for. We didn't go through all of this to, rep, to be represented in this way. And, and that's a high standard that everybody understands when you put that uniform on. That doesn't matter if you're a coach, the staff, or a, a player, you understand the rich tradition of what it is you're getting into. And that comes with, uh, you know, just seeing is that is that they are not holding themselves to the, to the standard. And so that is why the former players and the fans are not uh, happy with the product that's on the field. And it is because it's that the standard, you know, college football is always great when the Florida teams are at their best, Florida State, Florida, and of course yes, Miami. And if you've noticed this, neither one of those teams have been uh, at the top of their games. And for some reason, everyone is struggling, but you have to get back to the standard and you have to get back to the core of why are you doing this? And when, when you do that, when you, you take away the talent, you take away everything else, what is your sole purpose for being at this institution and playing on this team? Is it because you just want to wear the uniform or is it because you bleed on your green and you want it to be successful? And so what I see right now is um, I don't see it for each. Um, I see us, we want to be flashy, but yeah, we're not making a big place. Um, I see us tackling, but we're not tackling with a purpose. And so all those things uh, lead you to not being representative of what the former players want, right? And so that's kind of where we are today. And 
Um, I, I, I mean, we all take it personal when we lose one game, right? But to get blown out and embarrassed because we can't tackle or we can't make plays on offense and we're running trick plays, that's just not representative of who we are. We didn't have to run trick plays. No, we're running the ball in the A gap, the B gap, and the C gap, and we're tossing it, and I want you to stop us. Yes, sir. Well, you could hear the passion and pride in your voice and the accountability you had set yourselves to back in the day, and now you project that to this generation. I have to follow it up with, with what is the direction you see the program going into the future now? Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't know if you know, I know that, um, and it starts at the top. And what I will share with you is, as a leader in the work that I do to change culture and to create accountability associated with it, um, everything that is, so we had Paul D as our athletic director. He stood for excellence, right? Yes, uh, and I'm not saying the former AD didn't, but they, it, when you create a standard of high expectations, you either hire people that is in that standard or you don't. There is no in between with that. And um, if, and so the work I'm doing now, Jay, if you work for our department, like I'm asking you, what's your purpose and why? So we have a saying at GWJ that the president gave, gave us. He said, we have to be the most visible display of discipline and excellence, period. That means winning in the classroom. That means winning on the field and every other sport. And so what I will share with you is uh, I don't know if everybody really understands as a coach the standard and the expectations that you for the Miami. And because of that, um, we've lost some of the things that we've had. And so what I would say is we have to get back to that from ground zero. And it begins with evaluating the purpose of the people that are in the program and if it meets the standard. Um, and if it doesn't meet the standard, then you need to move forward with getting people at will. And, and those that are at the standard they need to be held to a higher standard that every day you have to come in, not Monday and Wednesday, every day of the week, that standard has to be on display in everything you do. And so you can't take plays off, right? Uh, and, and that's the other thing. Coaches can call plays, but players on the field, you learn the playbook and you learn your opponents so that when things happen, you are able to create havoc and positive plays that impact your team, right? Uh, you don't fold. And so that is where we are right now. Your words really resonate to me, to any incoming freshmen that would be graced by your presence. The culture that you've developed at the George Washington University, you could see that you're now extrapolating it to the standards and the expectations you have for your alma mater. Kudos to you, Coach. Just bravo. Very, very well said. I always ask my guests if they're amenable to, are you game for a few purely fun questions? Sure, absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Let's start with who is your favorite player in the history of college football? I, I would tell you, uh, people don't know about mm. it. He's a very genuine and gracious person. And it did not matter whether he was, um, uh, you know, uh, all pro uh, before any of that happened. He's a very awesome, gracious person. And he was a person that um, showed care to everyone. He's a person that gave his best all the time. And um, what I would share with you is he hasn't changed, even 20 years later, right? He still shows the same 
Um, you know, same value, same treatment of how he feels towards others. And um, so he's mine because he's just an awesome human. What's your most memorable play in college football history, sir? The play that he made where he took the ball from Matt Walters and ran uh, 80 yards for a touchdown. I mean, that was just, I mean, you can't recreate that. It's just hard, right? Uh, so, so, yeah, that's it. Greatest game in college football history, sir? I would tell you it was the Ohio State, the three overtimes, that I felt like that pass interference call stopped us from going two years in a row, winning the national championship. They made a call. We had an opportunity to play again. We have to finish. Greatest season, sir, in college football history? 2001. Finished it <laughs> with a bang, beating Nebraska, uh, which was another powerhouse. Uh, beating them handily and finishing off a season with a high was was something that's going to be hard to replicate. Biggest upset in college football history? I would say 2002 National Championship, Ohio State. Um, I think that there were, we, we had gone, through, if you remember, Jay, we had went from 2000 to losing one game, 2001, not losing at all, not losing any games in regular season in 2002 to going to the National Championship. Um, nobody thought we was losing that game. Greatest team in college football history? 2001 National Championship. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. John Square. It is indeed an honor to have you as my guest. You've been a phenomenal guest. Scholar, articulate, passionate. The culture that you set in your own D. George Washington University that you clearly extrapolated from your days playing with Miami. It's just been an indeed a pleasure on my end. I want to thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.